Hello everyone and welcome to Fast Charge. I am your host Dom, joined this week just by Lewis and Toddy, the core little group of us. Hello. Uh, we are recording this mm -hmm. a day early, we're not actually live this week. So forgive us as we get incredibly confused about timing, because of the topics we're going to talk about today, the OnePlus 9 RT has just been announced for us, it's a day old for you. We're then going to be talking about the HTC Vive Flow, which has just been announced for you, but we have the information under embargo, <laughs> so we're talking about it in the future. Then finally, in safer territory, we're going to turn to the Amazfit GTR3 and GTS3, which got announced last week. That's true for all of us, unless you're watching or listening to this several weeks or months down the line, in which case this is very old news, and you should really be looking for a more up-to-date episode. <laughs> Before we get to that, let's run through a few of the little bits and pieces that have been announced this week. Uh, as I said, we are recording this a day early. Inevitably, very exciting news will have come out between this recording and the episode going up. So, yeah, sorry, we won't be able to talk about that till next week. I can't do much about it. Uh, what has been announced is that every tech company in the world is going to announce something next week, which is really unfriendly of them. Uh, we've known for a while that Google was going to hold its Pixel event next Tuesday, the 19th. Uh, so that's when we've seen the Pixel 6 series. Uh, Apple has just swept in and announced that it is holding its expected October Mac event on the Monday, the 18th, so that's the day before Google. Uh, we don't know exactly what's coming there, but like I said, probably new Macs. Uh, then Samsung is holding an event on Wednesday, the 20th, where it's going to announce something. Uh, we don't really know what. They're calling this one Galaxy Unpacked Part 2. Um, given that they hold Unpacked all the time, it's really unhelpful actually to call this Part 2. I assume that means it's a follow-up to the foldable Unpacked we had in August. Uh, this might be when we see the S21 FE launch. That had always been rumoured for an October launch. Um, then everyone thought it was cancelled. Then everyone thought it was delayed till January. But now there is this event happening. And funnily enough, October 20th is the day that John Prosser once said we would see pre-orders start for the S21 FE. That is the day Samsung is holding this event. So maybe Prosser was right all along. Or maybe this is just new software stuff or new colors for the foldables or something else entirely. We're not really sure because this one did take us by surprise. Uh, it's not the only event that's taken us by surprise, though, because later this month, Sony is announcing a new phone, or we think. Uh, it's announced a, a Sony Xperia event, uh, which will be on the 26th of October, varies a little bit by time zones. Um, where, yeah, by all indications, we seem to be getting a new phone. I'll be honest, we have no idea what this is. We weren't expecting a new Xperia phone anytime soon. We've already had the 1 Mark 3, 5 Mark 3, and 10 Mark 3 this year. It's too early for the Mark 4s, so it can't be one of them. Um, we don't know what phone this is. <laughs> there, was, there have not really been any meaningful leaks of a new Sony device that was around the corner. Uh, so we will be as confused as the rest of you. And uh, that's quite fun in a way. It's quite nice to have a launch coming up where I genuinely am is, like, yeah. I don't know what's what's being announced. <laughs> uh, I can't even make an educated guess, to be honest with you. Uh, other launch that has happened this week, the Realme GT Neo 2 has launched in India, having launched in China a few weeks ago. Um, this is a slightly old one. We haven't yet had a GT2, but we have had a GT Neo, and now the GT Neo 2 is coming before we ever get 
a proper follow-up to the GT itself. Um, anyway, this is another kind of upper mid-range device. You're getting a 120 hertz refresh rate display, 65 watt charging, Snapdragon 870, so flagship chip, but not the top, top, top one. Uh, and it also comes in a really, really striking green finish, which does look like a natural follow-up to that yellow racing stripe uh, leather version of the GT we had. So this does look quite cool. Um, so that is out in India now, or at least has launched in India now. I can't remember the on-sale date. Um, what else? We have another of these October launches. October is looking really, really busy. We've still got the Huawei P50 on the way in October, we think. Uh, but also the Honor 50, we know is coming to Europe on October the 26th. Um, one nice little detail, which we kind of already knew, but it's now officially official that it's going to support Google mobile services, which is great. Honor had basically confirmed before that it was applying for that and it was going through the process and it thought it was going to work. They've now actually put out a statement on Twitter saying like, yeah, that's going to happen. The Honor 50 is shipping with Google mobile services worldwide and that's cool. So it's getting a European launch later in the month. And it's also launching sort of in other Asian markets and elsewhere. I'm not sure the full list of countries, but it is quite a long list. It's sort of 50-odd regions that they're pushing this out in. So it is a real global launch, which is really encouraging. Uh, and then the last little thing I wanted to talk about this week before we get onto the show proper is not a phone. It's not a launch. It's going all the way back to Apple and Epic because this week, mm -hmm. Apple, who you may remember, won literally 90% of the lawsuit uh, filed by Epic they have decided to appeal that 10% that they lost. Wow. Uh, so they have filed an appeal. The, the, this was basically that uh, requirement by the court that Apple now allow more third-party payment options, essentially. Um, I think Apple hasn't actually appealed for this to be undone. What they've asked for is a time extension. They were told they had to have this in place by December, and they're basically appealing to get extra time on the basis that they need to make sure they can do it in a way that is safe and secure and doesn't put users' financial details and all of that at risk, which is sort of understandable, although it may just be they're playing for time and dragging their feet a bit. It's hard to say for sure. But either way, if you were sort of excited for your iPhone to let you buy from other people, it may still be a little while off, though at least at the time of us recording this, the court has not responded to that appeal, so we don't know which way it's going to go. They may just be denied it anyway. Right. <laughs> Deep breath. Uh, let's turn to the OnePlus 9RT, which is the new OnePlus flagship phone launched today slash yesterday in China. Uh, at the time of recording this, we don't yet know when it's going to launch in India, though India is basically the other market we're expecting to see this in. It's probably only going to launch in China and India. Um, this is essentially the phone where we thought we would have a OnePlus 9T. Normally there would be at this point. You know, there was a 7 and then a 7T, an 8 and an 8T. We've had the 9s, we thought we'd get a 9T six months on, slightly rejigged, but that has not happened. Instead, we've got the 9RT, which is the T version of the 9R, which you may remember was <laughs> the India and China exclusive third flagship they launched earlier this year. Um, I couldn't really tell you why OnePlus has decided to sort of only launch this one with a T variant and not do T variants of the 9 and 9 Pro. OnePlus themselves haven't really said. They were sort of, they admitted this was what was going to happen a few weeks ago. So it's not a surprise at this point, but they've been pretty, I don't know, veiled about the reasoning. I think the chipset shortage is a pretty reasonable bet yeah. as to what's going on here. Um, the other factor probably in the mix complicating things for them 
is this process they're going through merging Oxygen OS and Color OS. And it may be that that is just throwing enough spanners in the works internally that it held up some of that hardware production too. We're not we're not really sure. I wonder whether this is the the Oppo integration is actually speeding up paired with the chip shortage, speeding up the kind of um, uh, stemming the flow of OnePlus devices indefinitely. Mm. Uh, and this is the start, the end sort of thing. We don't not that the company said anything to that effect, but it just seems like there's all these little things. Um, like ColorOS 12 came out this week, which I wrote about. Yeah. And we asked them in the briefing, like about what uh, aspects of Oxygen OS they were kind of pulling in from mm. their side. Because we, we had the alternate story the other week when OnePlus talked about its latest release of Oxygen OS. Um, and Oppo basically were like, oh, yeah, we just tried to make it a bit simpler. Um, we took out one of our preloaded apps, but you can still download it from the app store. That yeah. was basically all of the influence that Oxygen OS. So for it to be like an integration, it's definitely more Oof. of like a kind of absorption. Absorption, yeah. yeah, takeover. Yeah. yeah, and I'm wondering whether that's like indicative of the wider business and that's maybe why this phone is only going to get, what, two? I know they're important markets. Two big for markets, to be fair, yeah. yeah. But still, like, it's just a little bit concerning if you are a fan of the brand, um, what it might mean beyond... Just yeah. releasing one phone at the end of the year. I mean, it's a funny... It, it all just feels so choppy at the moment with OnePlus because obviously actually the trajectory they'd been on for a while was upping their rate of releases. Yeah. And if anything, if you'd asked me to speculate, I would have told you that that was the Oppo influence and it was the Oppo side pushing for more hardware, more models. You can't just do one phone a year, two phones a year. It's, it's got to be seven, eight, nine, ten devices a year. Yeah. And then they finally do the official merger... And all of a sudden, there's a crunch and we start seeing fewer devices and more regionality in where devices are. Lots more devices now that are tied to specific markets rather than global releases. It's all a bit odd and it's very hard to make sense of what exactly the the global game plan here is for OnePlus and, yeah. and for Oppo. Um, I can't really make sense of it, I'll be honest. Um, anyway, this device, the 9RT, I have to say looks pretty attractive and I think they've done a good job here of um, making some serious progressions from the the 9R while sticking to the same price point in China. We don't have Indian pricing yet, but the Chinese prices are, are about the same and their conversions to Indian rupees about match what the old Indian rupee prices were. So it looks like pricing is staying roughly constant, though you know there's some, some wobble potentially. Um, but we had some big upgrades. The The display has been improved a bit, not hugely, um, but big changes to chipset and to camera, which are obviously some of the key things people are going to care about. Um, so, you know, the headline figures are now, it's jumped up to a 50 megapixel main camera. It is the same camera in the OnePlus Nord 2, and it's that same one that was the wide angle in the 9 and the 9 Pro, now used as a main lens here. Uh, the chipset has bumped from an 870 up to an 888 which is uh, a really good jump and yeah the display is now slightly larger it's a slightly better class of AMOLED um, and the charging is slightly better too so charging and display get very minor bumps uh, chipset and camera get pretty big bumps I think is that why we think this is an R and not a T device? Is it because the camera still isn't a flagship quality? It's not a refresh of the nines camera. It's yeah, that is from the mid range effectively because it's got that eight eight eight. So now that is a flagship class like device in certain yeah. ways. 
it is an interesting combination of things. So yeah, the jump mm. on, on chipset is up to the 888, which is the same one the 9 and the 9 Pro had. So on, in that sense, we're seeing, right, this steps up to that same flagship tier they were. The camera is an improvement on the 9R, but it is a step up to the level, like I said, that they put the Nord 2 at. It is not the 9 or, or 9 Pro camera module being thrown in here. So it is still a, a tier below them in camera performance and, and yeah i guess there is that question mark around maybe they didn't have that next level of camera ready to go yet um and, and that's the hold up and that's why we've got to wait for a 10 to see see that next sort of big one i i take it then that the maybe the biggest competition especially with the markets in mind is the realme gt that we kind of touched on because mm. like that's another high-end flagship with competitive pricing that doesn't have the best camera it's yeah. better than previous Realme phones, but like that's not the priority. It's the performance, and that seems to be what Real, uh, OnePlus is doing here as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Stepping up on the performance space where people are going to be, where that is competitive, and yeah, as you say, the Realme GT is a very obvious competitor there. And then this isn't the best camera OnePlus does, but honestly, this is a solid camera, and I would probably on paper take this camera over, over the Realme GT's camera. Um, sure. You know, if, if it is fundamentally the same as what was in the Nord 2, that is an excellent camera. Uh, very, very, very good. Not flagship good, but it's, you know, I don't think anyone's going to have any any real complaints. Right. Nice. And uh, the design, you said it was like, it looks quite Oppo-inspired, namely looking at that camera arrangement, like much more Oppo than, than what the OnePlus 9 design language has put forward so far, I'd say. Oh, I don't know. I think it's quite similar to the 9 camera module. The standard it, nine in the, the yeah. It, what it is okay. is that the camera they've done now looks not the same as it is not the same camera model as the nine, but is mm. close. I think maybe I'd agree that in the nine series, their camera module moved a bit towards Oppo's camera module. Maybe that's what I'm design about, language. Yeah. But I would say this is in line with what they were doing earlier in the year with the nines. Um, yeah. But because this is now a triple lens setup, it is a bit different looking to the to the 9R, which I think was a quad. Um, and so it, at a glance, looks a little bit more like the 9. Uh, Colour-wise, it's just launching in the main colours of black and silver. There's also a bluey-greeny finish that's launching in China. That's launching a little bit later in November. Again, right now, not sure what's coming to India. Probably this black and silver. Don't know about the bluey-green. Maybe there'll be another separate India-exclusive colour or something like that. Um, not entirely sure. But you're still getting things like it's it's Gorilla Glass in front and back, aluminium frame. So although the you know the camera is the Nord 2 camera, the build quality stuff is still the flagship build quality. Sure. Uh, the key thing there being the metal frame, which is what, what I don't think any of the Nords have a metal frame. They're all plastic mm. there, even if they have glass on the on the front and back. Um, so they've they've yeah, it's an interesting job of sort of picking where they're taking their upgrades and and where they're not. Um, I assume, given the chipset shortage, not doing the 9T is what has allowed them to put the 888 in this. Because they're not building yeah. another new 888 phone. They've got enough chips right now. now. Yeah. Only because of that, yeah. Because everyone, all the leakers initially thought this was going to stick with the 870. And then just all of a sudden, two or three weeks ago, a Geekbench lift listing went up with the 888. And all the leakers ah. went, that's weird. Like, all <laughs> of our intelligence told us this was an 870. Yeah. Everyone agreed on that. And lo and behold, launch day, it is an 888. That is the chip that's inside here. So it does look like maybe at some point there was a 9T in the works. They made the call to scrap it. 
and that freed up a load of 888s that they could uh, throw in here and they'll make this a bigger, more meaningful upgrade. Um, yeah, as an upgrade on the 9R, this is really, really solid to the point where you have to think anyone who bought a 9R six months ago is probably kicking themselves a little bit mm. because this is the same price, very similar design, but just a clearly superior piece of hardware in, in a lot of core ways. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame about the timing in a way, because if they just waited like, what, another week? I mean, obviously, it's less of an issue for China, but um, on the global stage with Android 12, like mm. launching on hardware next week, because it's already technically launched. Yeah. Um, this being like the debut device for Oxygen OS 12 or, or even Hydrogen OS 12 would have made a lot of sense, I think. So well, remember, kind of... in China, this is the debut device for Color OS 12. Oh yes, of course. Okay, because in China so it now ships with ColorOS, so this is a color. The color, I believe, this is the first ColorOS device, ColorOS twelve device. I don't think yeah. Oppo's launched any hardware it's, it's since the ColorOS twelve. So this will be the first ColorOS twelve device, which is itself an interesting thing. That yeah. Oppo let a OnePlus phone be the first one to run that. Uh, yeah. In India, this will still be Oxygen, as far as I'm aware. Um, yeah, the, so, the Find, on the global stage at least, I think Find X3 Pro is the first upper phone that's going to get ColorOS 12 as an update, and that's not until December. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's and that's the only one this year that's down to get it. The rest of the range that's already out aren't getting it until 2022. Interesting. I should say, as a caveat, I the launch has only happened in China, and my Mandarin is non-existent. <laughs> there was definitely some discussion of ColorOS 12. I cannot say with 100% certainty they were saying it ships with it versus right. hyping it up that it will eventually support it or something Be like excited. that. So I may have lied, and Tolly's got me worried now by saying that the other Oppos aren't even getting it till December. No, no, I think that's entirely possible. <laughs> but it, like, it yeah. will ship with ColorOS, that's for sure, and they, they were talking about ColorOS 12 on stage, so I'm assuming that right. means that's what's going to be in there out of the box. But, um, Let's just go with yeah. that. Yeah. If, if anyone is, is watching or listening and does have better Mandarin than me, feel free to let us know with the correction on that. Uh, we could hire them. That would be useful for future Chinese launches. That would be very useful. That out the gate. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I like the look of this a lot. It's just in a funny way, a reminder that what a shame it is. We're not getting a 90 or anything like that in, of, in the yeah. West because they've done a good job with this T upgrade. And, and you know, I, the T upgrades are often very impressive mid, mid-year mid refreshes from OnePlus. They do a good job with them normally. And it is a bit sad to think we're not getting anything again till till the 10. This makes me think that it's going to save 120 watt charging for the 10 then. Because, like, you know, mm. Xiaomi just pushed out the 11T and T Pro, and the Pro's got 120 watt built in as well. Yes. So, I, like, I imagine, yeah, the 10 Pro is going to have a big charging upgrade, especially because now to. this one, I said there was a minor charging upgrade here. It's that this has gone from Warp Charge 65 to Warp Charge 65T, which is the still 65 watt. It's just a slightly faster better optimized faster. more efficient version of the same the same wattage uh right. it'll give you a full charge in 29 minutes they say off the same 4500 milliamp hour battery as, as the previous nine on the one thing i will always be jealous about even on like kind of the budgets and mid-range side on the android side of things you have such good fast charging speeds yeah. <laughs> like on you know with the iphone and stuff like that i think they've maxed out the i the i the iphone 13 pro max i think is at 28 watts now yeah and 20, that's 20, 27, up. I think, it's is what people are saying. Oh, is it 27? Yeah. So, oh, and we'll 23 that, on right? the Pro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not quite the same. Though, you know, that the, the Samsung's in the same same boat there. You know, the, well, they backpedaled, really. Exactly. Uh, the latest S22 range rumors were that some certification stuff went up from a Chinese certification board showing 25-watt charging 
across the board for the S22 series. Um, oh, wow. Leakers all disagree, and they say there's still going to be 45 watt on the Ultra. But still, it's still only 45 watt, which by the Android, you know, ultra premium Android stakes is, is yeah. Yeah, relatively slow. Um, so Apple's not the only uh, the only <laughs> the only company in that that position. But yeah, if you are in India and you are looking for one of these upper tier flagships or sort of upper tier mid range lower tier flagships, I think this nine RT clunky name aside looks like <laughs> a pretty good contender. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious to see what software it ships with in India. Given this yeah, sort of sure. Color S twelve discussion, is is Oxygen OS? 12 going to be ready for the launch of this um they've started talking about it a bit but it didn't feel like it was you know about to ship on new hardware but maybe maybe it is um and we will see but yeah keep an eye out for more on this and in terms of anyone in the west i don't know our next oneplus yeah the oneplus 10 in the spring and maybe we're getting a nord between now and then but there's not really been anything leaked or rumored so no real OnePlus hardware on the horizon to be excited about that we're so aware I mean, of. It all seems a little bit shaky and yeah, worrying. Hopefully it's OnePlus taking a beat to figure out sure. where it sits in the Oppo hierarchy and come out swinging in 2022. Um, and that would be nice, sure. especially if it's a reflection of the fact that with the chip shortage, they have to be realistic about what they can and can't do. And, yeah. you know, we've seen even Samsung getting knocked around with the S21 FE around how to handle chip availability. So if even Samsung is fighting to put phones out on the market, I'm sympathetic to OnePlus, maybe just putting their hands up and saying, we'll give it a year. You know? That's fair. I was going to bother. Okay. Uh, moving on from the OnePlus 9 RT, the other big launch this week will be brand new news to you if you are watching or listening to this as we launch. Uh, HTC has just announced the Vive Flow headset. Um, we don't normally discuss VR much on Fast Charge because we do see ourselves primarily as sort of mobile and phone show. Uh, and VR yeah. skirts around the edges of that. And Lewis is a big VR enthusiast, but every now and then he says, I want to talk about this headset. And I'm like, no, no, Lewis. No VR on the show. Shuts me down. Gets the magazine. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> Quick bash on the head. Get back in your cave. Churn out some content. Uh, no, but this time around, the, the Vive Flow is interesting because it is a return to a headset powered by a phone, essentially, uh, which is in yeah. a way, been a, the industry's been almost moving away from that. We're going back to one that uses your phone, and that's because the Vive Flow is actually doing something a little different, certainly to what Oculus is is pushing for at the moment in the VR market. Uh, I'm going to stop bundling my way through this, and uh, Lewis, you can take over <laughs> and let everyone know what the Vive Flow is. Yeah, so, um, I mean, first off, if you are a VR fan, it might look a little bit familiar because they teased it. I think it's called Project Proton. Back in early 2020, they showed off like a render of these really cool kind of superhero-esque glasses mm -hmm. and this is basically the result of that it's the vive flow um i think a lot of people are hoping for it to be like a quest 2 competitor you know full-on vr you know immersive uh tracking and great games and stuff like that. it's not that and you know hc is like we're not trying to do that this is a completely different thing um and like you say it's 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 a different kettle of fish because it uses your phone for quite a lot of things um so Let's talk about first the basic design of it. You've got what essentially look like a pair of sunglasses, oversized sunglasses with reflective Very lenses. oversized sunglasses. <laughs> Very it makes me think kind of like Leap Motion, 
if you remember what those look like, yeah, but like with they, even they're... bigger lenses. Mm. Yeah, they, it, it's it's interesting when you see someone wearing them, you're a bit like, huh? They do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's I can't a... remember if you you've used the word already, but they're very superhero-y. They look like the they big are. like lenses on some sort of you know superhero helmet costume with big this big reflective yeah. eyes on the front. I said this to HTC when they first showed off the. Uh, concept last year and they did not appreciate the comparison <laughs> but oh. it's what it looks like it's what it looks like and then uh, if you look closely in the lenses there are two cameras that uh, allow the glasses to see the world there isn't a lot you can do with them at the moment uh, i think they're mainly used for tracking and stuff like that but i feel like at some point there's going to be some kind of mixed reality thing that takes advantage of that tech yeah the good news is um, these are definitely not as discreet as the right band stories so i don't i don't think <laughs> no. hdc is about to wander into that problem of surreptitious recording because <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if they were going for these looking like regular sunglasses but they do no. not um no. but they yeah they're they're but equally they don't look like a vr headset which I think no, is this is it. They, yeah, this is the kind of thing that they were going for. They wanted something that wasn't the big, massive display on your face. They focused on something that was lightweight and more comfortable to put on mm-hmm. and easier to just wear um, on your day-to-day. So I think the headline thing is it, it weighs 189 grams, which is about the same weight as a phone, you know, a fairly standard Basically, yeah. phone. Yeah. Um, and that's a big step down from the Quest and, and PC VR headsets. This, um, and that is... This isn't a Gear oh VR type situation, right? The phone isn't going inside the no, headset. the phone right? doesn't go inside okay. it, but it plays a big part with it. Okay. So um, the, the, it's basically how they make it so light is because they it features a screen inside 3.2K. Uh, so about 1.6K per eye. So right, you know, okay, cool. reasonably, reasonably um, high res. Um and it has a tiny battery, which they say is just for quality of life purposes. Um, it's not. So, yeah. So this is the headline thing is that it's not powered by um, a battery within the headset. It's powered either by a 7.5 volt USB, which is USB 3, I think. Okay. Um, either that or a power bank or your smartphone. If you've got a USB-C, you can plug it in direct. Um I think that's going to be the hardest thing for people to get over is is the power situation. When I used it, it wasn't too bad because they have you know, they just had a little power bank that I could just slip in my pocket and it was fine. And the cable one isn't that thick, so I wasn't really that bothered by it. But I think it is another thing you're going to have to remember to charge. Um, I mean, I think the only plus is if you carry around a power bank anyway. If you're one of those people that just has mm-hmm. one in your bag, then it's not so much of an issue. Uh, and then. But yeah, for, for the everyday person, that's going to be, I think, the biggest hold. Uh, so let me just, just, let's just kind of pull that back a little bit. So there isn't a lot of tech, but there is some tech on board. So it's, it's running its own operating system, and you can install apps from Viveport. They've got a new Viveport um, Infinity subscription, which is specifically for this standalone content. Um, I got to go hands-on with a few of them while I was at this event. They, they're fine. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, but I think they are kind of similar in quality and kind of overall scope to something that was on the Oculus Go mm. rather uh, than the Oculus Quest. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's, and I think that part of that is the controller experience because while the headset is six degrees of freedom, so you'll get the same kind of move around tracking as you get with the Quest, um, the controller, which is your smartphone, uh, only does three degrees of freedom. So that's just orientation. So just like the Oculus Go. And, um, that means that so like for a lot of the games you'll be looking and pressing a button on the phone to kind of shoot things rather than using your hand like you would in in a high-end vr headset Mm -hmm. so it's clear that that's not really what they were going for um what they're kind of aiming for is more it was mindfulness it's work collaboration 
and it's watching TV and movies and stuff like I that. So kind of more the, casual the stuff. Press images and it's interesting the kind of lifestyle shots they've got where this woman is is literally in the kind of classic meditation pose, legs crossed. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, the kind of and yeah, people in I wasn't bed. too sure about that. <laughs> yeah, it was really Very weird. The, the meditation thing when they was yeah, because I I've done kind of mindfulness apps and stuff like that and and meditation, but it's always with my eyes closed. I'm I'd like, say why that's would I want better experience, to right? Yeah, but genuinely, it's actually pretty cool. Um, I, I did like a five minute meditation using this app. I cannot remember for life me the name of. Um, there's like a five minute mini meditation. It kind of it prompts you to just kind of look in different directions, and then it gives you visualizations for the ideas that it's talking about, which was ah. is a really cool concept. And because there isn't a head strap like you get with all the other VR headsets, you can literally just lean back in your oh, chair. Yeah. Cool and just relax and you don't have that annoying thing at the back of your head which i really like as well does it have integrated audio when you said you could just hear yes oh, okay that's yeah cool. so it's got speakers down firing speakers in both arms it's kind of like the ray-ban stories and, and the others like that cool. um no bone induction yep. tech sadly but uh, apparently there's better bass on offer from kind of standard speakers than you get from that kind of tech at the moment so that's why they went down that route that makes sense uh, and but you, and interestingly, you can also pair Bluetooth headphones. So if you are on a on a flight or something like that, you can put your Bluetooth headphones on, and there's there's no drama like that. You won't get the sound leakage issues that you'd have uh, with just using them normally. Um, so yeah, so we talk, so mindfulness. You've got work and collaboration with the ViveSync software uh, that's been available for a while now. You'll be able to join that um, via the ViveFlow and. It's it's good for collaboration and meetings and stuff. Um, it's not quite Facebook workplaces level where you can bring your laptop screen into it and actually genuinely do work in there. But if it's definitely a step up from Zoom and, and things like that. You sit in a nice little coffee shop and <laughs> it's a nice environment and you can just chat and, and work on things. Um, but for me, the big thing is watching TV and movies and stuff like that. And that is the thing that does rely on your smartphone. Um, and, you know, it's it's a double-edged sword. So, like, relying on your smartphone means that you're always going to have to have your phone around. It's going to drain your phone battery and it's going to drain whatever it is you're using to power the headset as well. So it's double battery drain. But the plus side is that you can use it to watch content from Netflix, from Disney+, Plus, all that stuff. So stuff that's DRM restricted usually, you can wirelessly transmit to the headset and watch in real time in, like, a virtual 100-inch screen wow. in front of you. So that is pretty cool. Um, and... I was a bit worried at the wireless kind of mirroring because I've used it before. It's not always that great, but it seems pretty responsive from the time that I have with it. The quality was absolutely fine. I was sat there watching Loki on Disney nice. Plus and that was absolutely fine. And it's not just restricted to the video content. You can just access your phone on a huge screen in this virtual room. Yeah, I think that's um, going to be the big change, right? It's so much easier to just, you know, access the Netflix app or the Disney Plus app that's already on your phone yeah. that you can use to download, it, yeah. download videos ahead of a flight or something like that. You can access this YouTube, you can access any video app you, you sort of have. You're not tied to what HTC has built into no. their app store or, or anything like that. Yeah, you're not you're not reliant on apps. So because I mean, this is the thing with with uh, especially kind of the likes of Netflix, like they don't have offline viewing on all of their apps. Mm. They have it on the smartphone app. You don't have it on most of the VR apps or anything like that. So this is actually extra functionality that you wouldn't usually get from the VR apps. And there's also that convenience of the fact that you don't need to put the headset on while you're at home. Be like, oh, I want to download that, 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 and that. You're just downloading it on your phone as you would be anyway for a flight or a long. Yeah. Uh, train journey or something like that so in, it's so convenient in that aspect and i do like the fact that you can use your phone as a controller because that is the one thing that you're probably always going to have with you yeah um 
I just wish it was six degrees of freedom. I know it's not possible because they're just relying <laughs> on the, the tech yeah. that's in your smartphone. And that's always going to be a restriction of using your smartphone. So um, it, I'm kind of almost yeah, surprised they even talked about gaming stuff with you. Because if I were them, I would almost completely ignore the VR gaming angle yeah. and pitch this as, now this isn't for gaming. Yes, technically you can, but that's not what it is. It's like you said, it's no. for productivity, it's for mindfulness, and it's for entertainment. Because those are clearly the things this will do well and in some ways better than more powerful rivals yeah because of yeah. some of the convenience and of using the phone because of the lightweight design all of that but why mention the fact that it's, it's so going nice to be a bad vr headset for gaming <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah that yeah they had a station specifically for gaming at the the uh, hands-on event and i was a bit like yeah okay i mean the game was fun don't get me wrong like i i got addicted to it i played it i think about three or four times just over and over again trying to beat my high score mm. but all i was doing was literally looking around the room and pressing a button on the screen to fire a, a cannonball at ships and sink them mm. i mean that's something that you could do basically on google cardboard yeah like you know so it's it's no yeah if you're if you're vr if you're a vr gamer this is not for you. Can you plug it into your machine, your PC, if you wanted to? Or is there no, no connection they, for that, no support for that? There is. Or wirelessly. Uh, they didn't really get too into the PC and Mac side of things. Uh, in the announcement for the for the event that's, hap well, that's just happened, as this goes live, <laughs> um, there was mention that you can also connect it to your PC and Mac, but on the event that I was at, they were literally just focused on, on mobile. And just to put it out there, they, it was a mid-range Samsung smartphone they were running off. It wasn't like anything high-end. So cool. it's basically, it'll be compatible with a range of smartphones. There is also an interesting point there in um, uh, you would then also get access through the phone to Game Pass and other cloud gaming yes. options. So yes. actually that is one Completely of the gaming that, bits it does have a strength of, which is not for proper VR experiences because they're generally not on these cloud platforms, but for in the same way you're talking about throwing Netflix up on the big screen of the of the lens, you know, throwing yes, Halo so can... up on and playing Halo in VR with a, with a Bluetooth controller you paired to your phone or something like that, I think could easily appeal to a lot of people. Oh yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's something I, I really wanted to try it, but they just didn't have it set up on the day. So I was like, uh -huh. <laughs> but um, they have said that cloud gaming is a thing. They specifically mentioned Stadia. So I assume that there's some um, yep. kind interesting of in the background for Stadia. <laughs> I, I, my big hesitation um, here is price because at 499 in both pounds and dollars, yeah. it, this is yeah. almost twice the price of the Quest 2. And I know it is a different <laughs> sort of product doing different things, but there are enough drawbacks to it as well. That if it was at the same sort of price as the Quest 2, I'd be really sort of, okay, well, are you more wanting to do gaming than buy the Quest 2? Are you more wanting to do, you know, productivity and entertainment by by the Vive Flow? Almost double the price. Yeah. It's a much it's, harder it, That's sell. the hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It is such a hard pill. To, especially when you consider, you know, the Go when that came out with, you know, not the same functionality, but on a similar level in many respects. Cost, I think it was under 200 quid. Yeah. Um, obviously it was a lot heavier and it, it like, I think I, I need to just kind of stress how comfortable this is. Mm -hmm. Like of all the VR headsets I've used, this is the best. Okay. Like it's so lightweight and it's so much easier to put on because it isn't no crank system at the back. There's nothing like that. It's got a dual hinge design on the frame, on the arms itself. So it's got a hinge right at the front. So it can kind of bend a little bit like that. And there's also another one about an inch back. So it kind of it can uh, adjust to a lot of cool. different shape yeah. size effects without kind of clamping down either, um, and it just means that when you're in VR, you know it, it's comfortable. I I would absolutely no complaints. And they have these little they're magnetic faceplate things that you can stick on, so you get absolute seal around your eyes. Cool. Um, and you can take them off and wash them really easily, which is a nice touch. Um, 
but just being able to put them on and then just quick, just as easily just lift them up if someone needed, yep. you know, if I was talking to somebody at the event and then pop it back down, like that's just not something that I've had with a VR headset. Mm. So in terms of design, it really is one of the, the better uh, options out there. But yeah, it's obviously come at a sacrifice of performance and and features and that price is 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 hard well, it's going to be a hard spot it's in line with the way that they've positioned vive for a while which is premium vr and they've really avoided the yeah. uh, any sort of race to the bottom in terms of pricing not not to say oculus is racing to the bottom but oculus certainly has more affordable entry points than vive has ever shown oh, yeah. any interest in i think i was sort of expecting this to be vive's answer to that to be it's their way of saying here's our 200 pound 200 dollar product to get people into vr and it's just i guess i'm surprised not it's not necessarily wrong of them but i'm surprised it isn't them doing that instead it feels yeah. like they're still preaching to the choir here this is a product at 500 bucks for people who already know they like vr and here's a different version of vr that is there for when they want a vr headset on the go to go, you know, they've got their their Vive Pro at home or whatever, but this is their portable Vive that they can take out with them. I don't feel like yeah. many VR newbies are going to look at this and go, cool, that's my entry point. Whereas, say, the Quest 2 yeah. felt like it got a lot of hype for exactly that reason. People who had yeah, never considered exactly. buying VR before saw the Quest 2 and went, oh, cool. I could give that a go. Yeah. That's affordable enough to be worth a try. Yeah, if you're a first time buyer, you're going to want to make sure that your headset does as much as possible. Yep. So you can you can learn what you're into and then you can from that point move on to something that's specialized in, you know, in a specific area. Um, and that, yeah, that is something that the the Vive Flow doesn't do. One other cool thing that it does do, actually, that no other headset does, um, it has a zero to six stop lens adjustment. So if you're short sighted, you can actually adjust the lenses and not wear your glasses while you're wearing oh, the Flow. That's, that's really good. And again, on a yeah, comfort note, yeah. that's really... That's a game changer. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask... and they've got a an active cooling system in the glasses as well, so it, it you, you're cool inside the headset, so you don't get steamed up or anything like that. So yeah, uncomfort is mm. unbeaten, I think. Well, look, um, you didn't mention whether or not it had any sort of like IPD adjustment, like for you know how far the lenses are apart yeah. inside the headset. Does it have anything like that, or is it just one fix? I didn't notice any of that. No, I didn't notice anything like that while I was using it, which is interesting. And did they give you frame um, rate as well? It's seventy five hertz refresh rate. Okay. So yeah, they they did say because we started asking. Obviously, as you do at these tech events, yeah. you start asking about specs, what's powering, yeah, what's the resolution. It's so important. Give me numbers, with, like, the motion sensation. And they and they yeah. were like, we're not talking numbers. This is not what it's about. And that, yeah. in my mind, is their way of saying we can't compete. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not gonna. We're not gonna. They would not tell us what chipset it was running. Really? There is, there right. was no mention of that. They they said we are not addressing that. So maybe they have talked about it in the event just now. But to my knowledge, we have no idea what's running it. Uh, but I assume it's not as powerful as what's in the Quest. Yeah. Obviously, that seems like quite obviously yeah i'd be curious um, about the the so, cost if they like part for part versus a quest 2 whether mm. it's actually much more expensive or not it'll be interesting mm. to see it's just yeah it's 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 i like it you know the experience it had for for the mindfulness for the for the tv watching and stuff it was great and you know i think i would definitely prefer to watch because i you know I've, I've used the quest 2 since it came out and it is my favorite vr headset it's great um but it's not the most comfortable thing to watch films on. If you if you want to get comfortable, you know, if you actually just want to sit there yep. and get comfortable on your sofa and, and watch something, you have got this strap system there. And if you've got the extra battery pack like I have, it's a thick, you know, thick sides and a thick back, so you're not getting comfortable. Um, so in that respect, like this is it. But I just I couldn't justify spending five hundred quid to get that. Mm. Mm. 
when I know that something cheaper is way more versatile and I'll just, and you know because the thing is with with the Quest Two, it's also a PC VR headset yep. and a wireless PC VR headset at that. If you've got the you know if you've got a decent router and stuff like that, so I think it is the value proposition. Um, and that's the one thing, but that's the one thing that HTC won't ever be able to compete with Oculus on. No. You know, Oculus is backed by Facebook money. They are happy to make a loss on every headset that they sell because they are getting your data and that is worth far more sure. money to them than, than a one-time purchase. And that's something that HTC Vive is never going to be able to compete with. So I think that's why they've kind of veered in the opposite direction. They're like, right, Oculus has got the standalone entry-level market. Yeah. We're going to try and do something else to see the premium, if the we can find some other people. Yeah. And that makes, yeah. I, I, I definitely see, see the space they're in there. Um, yeah, this definitely feels like this is the headset you buy if you already love VR, but as you say, you don't like your current headset for long, long-term applications. And you think, ah, you know, yeah. I would get this other one that I, is better for when I want to travel with it, and it's better for when I want to do a work meeting that's going to last two hours or or, or something like yeah. that. Um, and there's a comfort factor, or you know, you want to watch a movie even even at home, even if you didn't want to travel with it. Um, and if they're just preaching to their own market, the price makes more sense because, hey, if you could afford to buy any of the other Vive stuff, you <laughs> yeah. can probably also afford to buy this because they have never been cheap. Uh, and the price slowly becomes a slightly moot factor. But uh, yeah, they're not going to win over any... I can't imagine many people buying this as their, their first ever bit of VR. Yeah. Whereas no. I can imagine it's Oculus it. making exactly this, but cheaper and a bit less comfortable <laughs> and selling yeah. it for 200 and it being praised as the you know incredible new entry point into the VR market, everyone should buy one of these kind of product. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, but it's very we'll cool. See. We'll see. Yeah, it's a cool headset, um, and hopefully we'll be getting a review sample in at some point mm. soon. So when is it actually come back and actually show it? When is it actually on sale? On sale? Uh, oh yeah, so I should probably I probably recap that pre-orders open now. Cool. Right now, at the time of, of, of viewing, um, and it's shipping in early November at non-confirmed dates for now. Cool. Okay. Great. Thank you. Uh, let's turn to our final topic of today, which is uh, AmazeFit or AmazeFit. I can never remember which way it's meant to go. Uh, they have unveiled a new trio of smartwatches uh, over the past week. The GTS3, GTR3, and GTR3 Pro. Um, this is a pretty big shakeup for their smartwatch range. They've tweaked their designs, but they've also rolled out a, a sort of new version of their operating system, which I think I'm at least cautiously optimistic about because that always felt like their big weakness in the past. And if they're really working on that, that's great. Um, so these are pretty exciting. If you don't know the AmazeFit brand, uh, it's a brand owned by Huami. Uh, which is the company that used to, I'm not sure if it still does actually, but used to make the Xiaomi Mi Bands for Xiaomi. They sort of made them under contract. So they had this history of making affordable wearables and then realized, well, they could leverage this to actually have their own wearable brand as well uh, and started developing their own products under this Amazfit brand. Uh, the new watches are fairly similar. The key thing is there's this GTS3 uh, the S stands for square, so this is a kind of squared off design, looks a bit like an Apple Watch. And then the GTR3, where the R stands for round, and that is a round watch. I don't know what else to tell you about that. Uh, <laughs> Toddy, what, what's the deal with these watches? What's what's sort of interesting about this third set of, of GTs? 
Um, I mean, the Pro is the obvious standout, not just because it sounds like the fancier one, but just because they haven't done a Pro before. Hmm. They've done uh, the, the GTS 2 or the R2. They had a mini version, which is a slightly smaller build. They did a, a refresh as well halfway through its life cycle. But this is the first time they've gone what they are deeming Pro. Um, and it's actually a slightly different watch. It's not just the same uh, hardware with like extra memory or storage or something like that. It's a, a slightly larger display. Mm. And they're calling it Ultra HD. I don't know what the definition is with that when it comes to small circular screens and how you define Ultra No, it, I was <laughs> eyeing that up. I assume they're really banking on the idea that the pixel density is yes. higher. And that's kind of <laughs> <Which> a, <is laughs> enough. Although weirdly... It, it's not GT... like it's actually 1080p or anything no, or, or no, higher, yeah. you know. The GTS 3 actually has the highest pixel density density of the three which is also weird uh -huh. um but one of the things they did kind of uh elaborate on which is you know part of you were mentioning the old like amazfit os it feels like a um it feels less polished or it used to feel less polished it wasn't ever as snappy and responsive mm. also the ui just looked a little bit more bare bones than what you'd get on like watch os or or you know what was tizen and now the wear os experience on the galaxy watches from samsung you'd also um, frequently run into i can say if this will be improved or not but translation issues where true. you know it both in the on the wap on the watch app but also the sort of compatible companion phone app um very obvious kind of challenges yeah. with localization which is just a reflection of the fact they're a chinese company and haven't built up big global teams yet in the way that some of the rivals have but you know you'd always get this feeling of a lack of polish maybe throughout the experience when the nate when the phone side of things because these also these are like one of the few kind of higher profile smartwatches that work with ios and, and android still mm. there's talk about where os3 not supporting ios and we don't really know what that's going to look like once watches outside of samsung's launch um yet for sure but this might be one of the last few really strong offerings based on the spec and the, the feature set that can support both platforms. But looking at the mobile app, when they moved to Zep and the kind of Zep branding took over, they they go by Zep Health on the stock market now and all this stuff. Mm. So Huawei's kind of taken a backseat as their brand name outside of China. Um, you could see they'd worked on things like translation and just general quality of user experience and quality of life stuff in the app. So mm. that's what I'm hoping the software experience on the watch is going to be. This is also a move to Zep OS, which they mentioned back in 2020 that they were going to move to, um, but it's a completely reworked. It's a very interesting smartwatch platform, um, and this is the first watches that are going to run it out of the box. But essentially, uh, it's much more lightweight than a Mazefit OS was. It's like a, uh, I think they said it's like a tenth of the size or something. It's like oh. 55 megabytes. It's tiny, um, but at the same time, it's got better um, performance. It should offer smoother animation, so actually UI should look nicer. Um, the Pro, the GTS, GTR3 Pro, excuse me, actually has a higher refresh rate display as well. The regular watches, the other two, have 30 hertz. This is, mm. they didn't want to say, they, they were like, it's it's 67% smoother, but effectively that means mm. it's 50 hertz. So it's not quite yeah. Apple Watch or Samsung Watch, but it's smoother. So it should just be more comparable to those yep. kind of high-end watches. And that's what they're going for here. Um, the weirdest thing I think about ZepOS is that it has these cloud apps and they're going to launch an online SDK that anyone can just log into and just use online in their browser to build watch apps. Hmm. And there's a lot of the functionality that third parties can make use of uh, will only operate when the watch has an active internet connection because what they're actually doing is running these apps directly from the web on your wrist via your smartphone. 
so it doesn't occupy so much space it doesn't like slow the performance of the watch down but it means you can have a lot of functionality and you can quickly code more apps it's a really yeah. weird approach cloud um, apps yeah. for your watch yeah it's funny yeah. And the, the Pro also has a speaker and microphone, so it does have Alexa support. But if you lose internet connection, it has a native voice assistant just to do things like start workouts and stuff. And it has so it has Wi-Fi as well, the Pro, which... Yes, yes. Um, and again, I think, you know, things like that, the, the ability to, you know, take calls on it and stuff like that, I think are new to this Pro and, and does new to AmazeFit. The whole AmazeFit thing, you yeah, know, absolutely. Um, that's a big upgrade in the kind of... Feels much more like a fully fledged smartwatch, the Pro. I've always been cautious to call the previous ones, like previous Amazfit watches, I've reviewed smartwatches, and I usually end up putting them on activity tracker lists for that yes. very reason. They're kind of, they've always sat halfway between. They pitch as a smartwatch. It does have some apps, but it really always lacked a lot of the things you would think of as what makes something a smartwatch versus a fitness tracker. Yes. And yes. Uh, the Pro here is the first one that really unequivocally, like, yeah, fair enough. That's a smartwatch. That's yeah. properly a smartwatch. <laughs> and the other thing, I guess, is the. Uh, designs have come a long way the materials that they're using have become mm. more premium over the generations these are aluminium alloy they look very nice as you said the gts3 looks kind of like apple watchy they all feature rotating crowns which isn't something i don't think we've seen on previous gts or r watches i don't know yeah um i think they've been buttons before but they're not actually yeah. had the rotation not, not sure about rotating that's, yeah yeah that's the kind of new thing here so yeah so the pro especially it's high refresh rate high resolution screen than we've ever seen from the company you get obvious stuff like swim proofing and ip68 resistance and all that good stuff and then this really interesting platform experience which is yeah taking a new approach that means that it works well standalone but if you have an internet connection it can technically really quickly be iterated on yeah um, and they might not also have the same limitation of like um obviously the hardware limitation but watch os you know certain features are tied to os releases with that mm. Whereas if these are web apps running on the watch, then there's ne not necessarily a reason why they can't just add new web apps forever. Totally. Whether they want to brand it like that is another matter. Yeah. But still, it's it's a very interesting approach. And I, I'm curious to see how that actually manifests on device when we get them. Totally. The big question there, obviously, is going to be dev support still. It's how widespread yes. do these become? Yes. Is there enough pressure on on app developers to really bother to, to build a dedicated um, Amazfit app or web app or anything? Um, yeah i guess i don't know how until i get like eyes on the sdk i don't know how like deep it goes yeah. and how much control developers have over these apps that they can potentially create but like if it's all on the web i'm guessing it's like not that high a barrier to entry but maybe i'm un underestimating how capable an online sdk can be <laughs> totally uh, one of the developer. other big big wins they have that they've always been strong on is battery life which is still the case here and i'm yeah. particularly interested in the pro and i've got to be honest i'm a touch suspicious of the figures on the pro I would absolutely agree with that, yes. I so it's 12 days regular smart usage for the Pro and the GTS. The GTS yep. has a smaller battery, though. And um, 21 and days for the GTR. 21 days, yeah. And the, the regular GTR3 has the same size battery as the Pro, but fewer features. So yep. that's why it gets so much more battery life. So there is an acknowledgement there that I'm encouraged by that the Pro has a lower battery life because with everything else it does, it, it should. I'm still a little cautious that uh, it's going to turn out that actually that 12 days is with Wi-Fi off and, you know, yeah. Bluetooth barely yeah, in use sure. and you never use Alexa and all of that Which stuff. Hoops. Watch mode only. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which hoops <laughs> are you jumping through to make that figure work? Yeah, exactly. E even so, though, I think it's a safe bet. Even at worst, this will be a several day battery life. If you get like you know, a week like a working Absolutely. week that's still pretty good like by, by yeah. smartwatch standards and as we said previous ones 
the battery life has been with a pinch of salt. So you're like, yeah, the battery life is great at two weeks or whatever, but you know, that sounds way better than an Apple Watch, but it doesn't do anything like what an Apple Watch does. Now this Pro model feels the comparison is getting closer. It's like, well, it's, it's claiming 12 days, and that's 11 days more than the Apple Watch does. Um, it is not an Apple Watch in feature set, but it, it's closer, and it's also half the price. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, they, um, they all launched in Europe, UK, and China on the... Oh, and the US on 11th October on Monday when we were at the mm. piece. I think the GTS 3 though does come to the US a bit later. They haven't I think think set a date for that. But the the GTR 3s and 3 Pros are available in all those markets. Yeah. Um and yeah, in terms of pricing, yeah, they are about half an Apple Watch uh, less depending on which model you go for. So it's 149 pounds or euros or 179 dollars US if you want to go for the either of the regular models and if you want that Pro GTR 3 Pro, it's basically uh, an extra 50 in every currency yeah yeah, yeah exactly dollars. yeah i've always been impressed by the amazing stuff i've used in the past i reviewed the first gts and i think maybe mm-hmm. the gts2 i think i've only used mm-hmm. the square ones um i enjoyed them both i had these caveats about software side and, and but not actually the on-device software i've always been happy enough with the watch the watch yeah. os they had not remarkable but fine it was when you got to the f- compatible phone app i always felt like oh this is what you know this is why you maybe would pay more for a fitbit because that that experience yeah. was always a, a little more polished but from just a pure fitness tracking health tracking this has um you know this will do sleep tracking this will do all the blood oxygen stuff you might want you know all that same kind of call set you'd expect from everything else now hardware wise they've never skimped and they've always delivered pretty well i think and if that's the same but they've making a point of shoring up their software like yeah. it's going to be a lot harder to say why you shouldn't buy one of these at this price versus it competitors. Like they've actually been attentive to what the the niggling like issues that people have kind of picked up with their products yeah and it's just like trying to meet user expectations which is nice not all companies always do that when they upgrade their yeah. device lines so. I, I also noticed something else that actually uh, caught my eye which correct me if I'm wrong because you know wearable space much better than I do but I'm not aware of it anywhere else which is the four in one easy health measurement they call it but it's that with one button press you yes. get your heart rate blood oxygen stress and breathing rate all measured at once whereas I as far as I'm aware on every other one I've reviewed I feel like you've got to be like what's my heart rate cool what's my blood oxygen level all right, cool. What's my stress level? And you've got to move through them all to get each reading done yeah. individually. I'm not aware of any other that will let you just do one and say, yeah, we'll fill out, you know, that is, everything. Uh, yeah, totally fair. I was hesitant when I read that to assume that it was instantaneous. You'll say, like, for instance, on the uh, the Galaxy Watch 4, that you have to, like, put your finger against the buttons on the side to do certain things like the ECG yeah. versus the blood oxygen or whatever. Um, and... I imagine this might be one press, but I, I feel like it's going to take a while. I don't know why. I feel like it's actually going to hold you. They say it's 45 seconds. But that's still pretty good. Like even yeah. on the Fitbit Charge 5, which I'm testing right now to do its its kind of uh, stress scan, it defaults to three minutes. You mm. have to sit there and hold it through. You can reduce that to like a, a minute, but even that's still longer than this. So yeah, yeah if they can pull it off in 45 seconds, well, that I'll, is actually pretty good. I'll be more accurate. They say in as little as 45 seconds. So right, 45 okay. is the lower end. So yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe it's, you know, in exceptional circumstances, it drops down to 45. Um, but still, I, I more mean the convenience, you know, a lot of these measurements do take For time sure. to get a score. I, just the convenience of 
getting all of them at once because it's measuring the same stuff on all of this anyway. And for it just <laughs> on a software level to recognize, yeah, we only need to do this once and we'll give you all those scores rather than making you take each reading individually to fill out each yeah. thing individually, which from yeah. my experience is what you have to do elsewhere. Though I, I hesitate to say for certainty that no one else has done this before. But um, that definitely appeals to me as a, as a convenience because I think what I find when I test smartwatches is you obviously I do the 24-7 heart rate monitoring and stuff like that, but all the other sit down for a minute and do this score things i do once or twice in my review and then you ignore them because yeah. you've got to go out of it's your way to do them each time and and think mm -hmm. about it but actually if you, one thing that gets you several scores at once i feel like there's a lower barrier to entry to actually bothering to take advantage of those features day to day sure. you know for sure no that's a great point it's one of the things i think we need to test out to, to know how sure. effective it is but mm -hmm. the fact that even approaching this tech in this way seems very smart and is something that maybe people like Apple and Samsung could take a leaf out of. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also really welcome to see uh, Alexa support built in here. Yeah. Um, I never use a smart assistant on my watch, but I'm sure other people do because people keep putting them in there. So someone must be taking advantage <laughs> of it. I use the Google one because it's the only way on watch you can do things like turn on lights and stuff if you have smart home stuff. Right, there's no yeah. there's no Google Home app on, on Wear OS and it really bugs me because I just want to be able to tap my watch and turn lights on and off. I know watch uh, OS I has get it you. for yeah. HomeKit stuff. So, yeah. I have Google Homes uh, dotted around my house, so I just wander around and, and, and shout into the ether and, and things <laughs> yeah. happen. Whatever room I'm in, I, can, I shout loud enough, Google will hear me. <laughs> uh, cool. What scary future. <laughs> I think that will do us for this week. Uh, so thank you to everyone who has been watching and listening. We will, of course, be back same time, same place next week. We should actually be live again next week in theory, unless something goes horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, next week will, of course, be a busy episode because we have that Apple event on Monday where probably some Mac stuff. We have the Google event on Tuesday where definitely the Pixel 6 series and maybe things like the Pixel Watch or a Pixel Fold or, or something else. We have the Samsung event on Wednesday, maybe an S21 FE, maybe a big about nothing of an announcement that's not very interesting. <laughs> uh, we'll see. And because this is the way the tech industry works, I will bet you any money that at least two or three other companies are also going to drop surprise announcements next week just to mess with us. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I meant oh, to yeah. say we've got Huawei on the Friday in Vienna is is also happening uh, on the 21st. That's Huawei's event. Oh, that's probably. next week as well. That's so we won't be talking about well, it on the yeah. show. Yeah, but that is also in the same week. And we will it's be talking about it the week after the on Nova, the show. The Nova 8 and 8i and the Nova 9 or something or other is, is what the rumors are saying right now. But um, Oh, as opposed yeah. to the P50. I thought that was the P50 launch. There was no mention of the P50. Oh. And I was expecting that to be P P50. So maybe it isn't. We don't know. But we'll know... Uh, not next week, but I guess the week after we could touch on it at the start of the F and be like, this didn't happen. Yeah, right, great. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Uh, screw the tech industry. This is going to be a really tiring <laughs> Keeping week. us too busy, yeah. Uh, if, we're, if we're very world-weary when we return for next week's episode, uh, you know, <laughs> you know please why. forgive us. Uh, Lewis will be just, you know, gently dozing off in the background as, as he produces. Oh, yeah. With the cat. With, with, the, with the cat. <laughs> at loafing with them uh yes we'll be back next week thank you and uh yeah remember to hit like and subscribe if you're here with us on youtube cheers bye bye